Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. We're back for another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show. I'm Ian Mendes alongside Haley Salvian. The theme of this week's episode is speaking out as uh, both Rangers defenseman Tony D'Angelo, Canucks owner Francisco Aquilini break their silences with some interesting comments. Steve Dangle is going to drop by, help us uh, answer some multiple choice madness questions. We're going to talk about his little battle with WWE star Edge. And we'll wrap up as we always do. With the hail bag, as I said, it's Ian Mendes, Haley Salvian with you in this uh, episode of the podcast. So Haley, uh, for the people listening to us, it's actually, it's like a fake holiday in Canada today. In in the province where I live, Ontario, it's family day. What is it in Alberta on this Monday? That is a great question. I have no idea, actually. Uh, is it like I actually, Klondike days or something? Or is that in... I, is that in uh, Edmonton in August. I don't know, but it's something weird uh, where every province has its own thing. And it's not really, it's like a fake holiday, but it's not a real holiday. Like I wish we had afternoon hockey games. If this is a real holiday, let's see some afternoon hockey games, right? That's what I, that's how I know it's a holiday. I know. And it, family day is, I mean, it's nice. It's great. Like nobody's going to say no to a day to spend with their family, but it is, especially in hockey too, like the flames are playing tonight. So they're going to be skating. Um, they are in Vancouver still. So it's not like I'll be going to the rink, but still going to be working. And I exchanged messages with, uh, our editor, Aaron. I was just like, so do I work today? Do I do nothing today. Like, well, we're recording the podcast and the Flames play today. So it doesn't really matter. Like, I'll text my mom in the morning and say hello. So that's uh, the extent to my family day. But I think it's called family day in Alberta. I think February 15th is is called family day here. Not totally sure, though. You're not sure. Yeah, that's all right. You're new. You're new to the province. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, but uh, you mentioned the fact that the Calgary Flames are in Vancouver. I'll tell you what, Vancouver, Calgary, that was so so interesting on Saturday because every Canucks fan, Haley, was thinking, here we go. We got another date with the Flames. Marky's going to shut us out. Here we go again. And just before, like in and around that game, this is what I thought was fascinating. There's, is there anything, Haley, before I get into kind of what Francisco Aquilini said, uh, Canucks owner, is there anything juicier? than the owner of a hockey team in Canada kind of venting on social media. No, no, definitely not. Especially because of the way, not just, not just the fact that it's the owner venting on social media, but it's just the way that hockey fans are in Canada. And I just think that it's always going to be a big thing. Um, whether it's, I mean, we're saying venting, so typically they're venting about they're airing their grievances, right? And so that's what hockey fans do on a daily basis. But then when the owner gets involved and the hockey fans are there reading it, it just can snowball into such a mess. And I mean, we've seen in Ottawa what happens with owners who um, speak a lot. And it just, it puts the fans in a frenzy. And it's just, 
I don't know. It, you, you're in Ottawa still, Ian. Like you can attest to what happens in the fan base when the owner is uh, talking a lot. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's certainly not anything that like people don't. I think for the most part, people don't want to hear from owners of sports teams. I'm sorry, they don't. And and so, but this one here with Aquilini was fascinating. So I'll just kind of give a. Uh, a, a summarized version of his tweets for those people who didn't quite see the story. So Vancouver Canucks owner Francisco Aquilini tweets out on Saturday, this in the midst of the Canucks in just an awful stretch where they're just, it feels like everything's slipping away. Aquilini tweets out, quote, our fans are passionate and knowledgeable. They have every right to express themselves. But when the media starts pouring gas on the fire, dealing in rumors and misinformation as if it's fact, it's time for me to speak up. Contrary to what you may have read or heard, we're sticking to the path we're on, building on our core of young talent. Progression is not always a straight line. There's no easy fix, only patience, commitment, and hard work. I have full confidence in Jim Travis and this group. I have no plans to make changes. And you always got to end with a hashtag, Haley. Hashtag, we are all Canucks. So there's, there's the owner basically saying, we're not doing anything. We're sticking on the path. Some people read this, Haley, and say that's the uh, dreaded vote of confidence, that somebody is going to lose their job at some point. Where do you see this play? How do you see this playing out now in the weeks or months ahead in Vancouver? Yeah, well, I just think the fact that he went out and made that statement in the midst of a six-game losing streak where, you know, in the media, the radio, what you know, web reporting, newspapers, whatever it may be, you know, a lot of the discourse and the dialogue was about, you know, the the Canucks are, you know, maybe one or two more bad wins away from a lot of people getting fired because this has just been a mess. And you know what? Like, that's not really pouring gas on the fire. Like, the Canucks were lost six straight games in quite embarrassing fashion in most games, you know, they showed some signs of life in the second game against the Toronto Maple Leafs, but the Leafs in the first game just were all over them. Their couple losses earlier were, were just really bad, and the Canucks just haven't looked great. I mean, they they did beat the Flames, and they did they were the better team against the Flames in the last two, even though they split the first two games against and against Calgary. Excuse me, but in terms of what happens with the Canucks, I mean, I don't know if I see Jim Benning or anybody getting fired this season after that. I just, I don't know how you can, I mean, at least not mid-season, but I, I just don't know how you can go out and make a statement like that and then change your course. Maybe that's just me being overly trusting in what the owner's saying, but I just don't know if he would put a vote of confidence like that and then completely change his mind mid-season, maybe in the off-season if things don't go great, but I don't know what you think about, you know, just the job security aspect, Ian. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's pretty atypical, Haley. Like, look, like Pittsburgh had a change in general manager midseason, uh, but that was because Jim Rutherford stepped away. Like, it's very rare that you see an in-season general manager change, right? Usually that comes uh, at some point in the off-season, before the draft. Like, it's just, it's awkward to to kind of do that now. It's, it's, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I agree with you in that I think it's almost like he's painted himself into a corner now. Now he can't do anything, mm-hmm. and that's... That's all well and fine. I think the issue that I have here, Haley, is, you know, when he says, when the media starts pouring gas on the fire, I think that there's an inherent mistrust. And this doesn't just go for Aquilini in Vancouver. This would certainly go for other owners in Canadian markets. They feel like it's the job of the media to be a cheerleader 
And it's not our job to do that. Like, I think that a lot of owners and general managers in Canada think, oh, typical Canadian media just being negative. Like, you have to understand our job is to put a little bit of fire on you. And I'm sorry if that's uncomfortable. I'm sorry if you don't like it, but that's our job. And you know what? I think if you pulled aside every reporter in Canada and said, would you like to see the team that you cover win a Stanley Cup? I think unequivocally, our answer would be yes. And I I do believe that. I think, but to get to that point, we can't just be blind cheerleaders like, yeah, we're on the right path. We have to hold you to some degree of accountability. And by doing that, that's what puts you on a championship path. Because if we just let you go unchecked with bad decision after bad decision, you're going to be in a bad spot. And then when we start criticizing you, you're like, oh, you're pouring gas on the fire. That's our job. And I I think at the end of the day, Haley, sometimes owners don't understand the job of media covering a hockey team. And I wish, I wish everybody could sit down and understand what our jobs are, which is to accurately reflect what's going on with your team and to hold you to a degree of accountability. That's it. We're not an extension of your PR department. We're not an extension of just uh, cheerleading and, and cheering you on. And I'm sorry, but when you live in a Canadian market in particular, and I think in the United States, I think Boston and Philly and a whole bunch of these other cities fall under the same thing. Where the fans are so passionate, it's the job of the media to, to kind of harness that passion and reflect that back to the owner. Definitely. And I, and I just think that there is that kind of disconnect sometimes between what owners and teams think media should be doing and what media actually should be. And, and I also don't think that you know, to it's not even devil's advocate because I agree with everything that you said, but I mean, it's not even our job to, like, we don't have to keep them accountable in the way of, like, it's our job to make sure that this team is, like, it's we're not about checks and balances. We're just about being fair. And we're just supposed to be independent, which we are. Um, and for me specifically, I mean, I'm more of a feature writer. So for me, when I go in a room, I'm like, I'm just here to, like, find an interesting story to tell about somebody. Um, I'm not here to, you know, sing rainbows and sunshine and daisies about a hockey team who's lost six straight. It's just very strange to to blame the media for covering what's happening on the ice, which is the hockey team has lost six games straight and things are going to start getting a little tight because the team is not playing well. Like that's not pouring gas on the fire. Like I said before, that's not that's not something that they're just making up. Like the media are watching, they're smart, you know, they understand the game and they're just analyzing it. It's not gasoline. It's just doing their job. And, you know, I think the one part about this, Ian, that I know that you really wanted to touch on is just the really tone deaf timing of calling out the media in the wake of what happened over that weekend um, or, you know, just before the weekend with TSN, you know, cutting three major radio stations, among other cuts this year, including the Vancouver station. Yeah, Haley, and I appreciate you asking because obviously as a guy that worked in radio, TSN radio for seven years, uh, that one cut pretty close to the heart. And uh, I think to for the owner to do that, like you have to understand, like Vancouver, it's a weird market. And I grew up there, Haley, so I, I feel like I know the Vancouver market. People think of the West Coast. One of the things you think of when you think of the West Coast is laid back, and relax. Ah, it's easy breezy. It's the West Coast. You've never met a Canucks fan. Like you, like Canucks fans are awesome. Like they, they should actually be in the eastern part of the country with their passion and their 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 kind of feel towards the game. So when you eliminate a market 
uh, or a um, an outlet, sorry, like TSN 1040 from that market where the fans felt like they were spitting straight truth. When you remove that from the marketplace, the fans are pretty upset. And they feel like they lost the place to voice their concerns and the anger. And then to have the owner come out, you know, 72 hours, 96 hours, whatever it is, after that and say, wow, the media is pouring gas in the fire. I think it was just a little bit poorly timed. Like, I understand what Francesco uh, Francesco Aquilini is doing. I get it. You're defending your team. You're defending your decisions. But maybe don't blame the media. Not this week. Not in Vancouver. Not when so many people lost their job. And I want to tip my hat to, to Dan Murphy, who... Uh, in the Sportsnet broadcast, he didn't have to do this. It's a, a complete rival. Uh, to take the moment that that Murph and, and Ian McIntyre and company did uh, in that intermission to talk about what TSN 1040 meant to the marketplace uh, was just a pure a piece of class from that group at Sportsnet. And it, but it, but what it was, Haley, was an accurate reflection of how much that market is hurting losing that type of entity. So it's a it's a bad day for for journalism and. In Canada, I think when you lose entities like radio stations like that en masse, like it's 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 not a great feeling. And Winnipeg, I know, is is feeling the same thing. And I, I don't know what you think, Haley. I, I I understand the the irony of us discussing this on a podcast, but it's it is not a good week um, in sports talk radio in this country. And I don't even know where we're headed like six, twelve, eighteen months from now. You know. No, and and I think the one thing that really came through with with what Dan Murphy said too is you know we're it might seem like it but we're not rivals like we're all in this industry together and we might work for different companies and we might work for a company that has a different business model and different product model than other companies in this in this industry but you know we're not rivals here like we're all we're all in this together and to see so many people who we connect with on a you know daily weekly monthly basis you know. I would go on those shows all the time to tee up sends and then flames. And it's just, you know, those are good people who are now looking for a job in a really difficult time right now. Um, there's a lot of really qualified people who are struggling to find work and to just see so many more qualified people being added to that talent pool. Um, it's just a really difficult time. And I don't know where the sports talk radio industry is leading, especially now with stay-at-home order. There's not that many people driving. So how many people are tuning in on their their computer, their phone? Their, do they have a radio at home? It, it's just this industry is constantly changing. Um, and unfortunately, with that change has come some, you know, really sad and unfortunate cuts. And, you know, Bell Media has been saying that we're streamlining. And, you know, there's a lot of not, there's a lot of non-front-facing people who lost their jobs too, because they're going to a more like automated system. There's different tech, there's, you know, robotic cams. So people don't, you don't need to have a person standing there anymore. And, you know, we maybe don't see those people or hear them on the radio, but their jobs were lost too. So it's just a really difficult time for this, for this industry. And the one thing I also just wanted to touch on quickly, cause I, we, <laughs> we probably should move on soon. Cause we've been talking about the Canucks for a while here. It's the Canucks hockey show today. Um, but Travis Green, I saw that Travis Green reached out to um, a couple or most of the members that lost their jobs from TSN 1040, the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks, um, just to reach out. And, you know, he said after a practice the other day, like, you know, we're, he said the same thing. He's like, we're all in this together. You know, they might be asking me the questions. I might be the coach, but we're all doing this day to day together. And it's just really unfortunate to see. So, uh, you know, a lot of respect for Dan Murphy and a ton of respect for Travis Green for, for saying that. 
you know what, and following up on that, and he'll probably be embarrassed uh, that this is out there. But, you know, I, I thought, I, I, you know, DJ Smith, head coach of the Ottawa Senators, reached out directly to, to Brent Wallace of TSN, you know, after Brent was let that's go easy. kind of under similar circumstances. And I, I you know, I, I think that's the type of thing that needs to get out there. And, and, and that is DJ Smith understanding there's a human side to this and, uh, and reaching out to Brent. That just speaks volumes about the type of human being uh, that DJ Smith is, uh, that he would reach out to somebody. Look, he's only worked with Brent Wallace for a year and a bit. Brent's been in this market for 20 plus years. For DJ Smith to reach out to Brent Wallace is is exactly like, I know Travis Green got a lot of um, love for that. I just, you know, I, I at least in this podcast, Haley, I wanted to, to put that out there that DJ had done the same thing for Brent Wallace. And that's amazing to hear. And I mean, I spent the one season with DJ and I couldn't speak highly enough about him as a coach and a person too. So I'm not at all surprised to hear that that's what he did for Brent. Yeah. Now listen, Haley, you said it's time to get off of the the Canadian teams here and talking about uh, the Vancouver Canucks. So why don't we sink our teeth into the latest in the Tony D'Angelo saga? And that is he spoke (laughs) to Larry Brooks of the New York Post on the weekend. And uh, it, it was an interesting article. I will say that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll read the, the the headline on it was Tony D'Angelo bears his soul in first comment since Rangers exile. And, you know, and, and, and the lead of it from, from Larry Brooks as well reads, it is perhaps the height of irony that the one time Tony D'Angelo might indeed be a victim, he outright refuses to advance that narrative. No, sir. So I know that, uh, look, like Larry's taking a lot of heat, D'Angelo's taking a lot of heat, and I, you know, I want to have a really nuanced conversation about this, because I'm not a big fan of the whole, like, let's all gather cancel culture, like, I'm all, all about trying to educate people on where they may have had some missteps. So I look at this article, I think, nah, it was lacking a little bit for me, I wish that there was a little bit more of a pushback, but at the same time... I understand. Tony D'Angelo hadn't spoken to anybody in a couple of weeks. Larry Brooks gets it, so Larry Brooks gets it. But what was your like kind of takeaway and assessment from the article after you uh, had a chance to read it on the weekend? Yeah, and, and you know what? I agree in the, the fact that you know somebody hasn't spoken about something and they're finally going to. That is, you know, from a news standpoint, that is technically newsworthy to to get somebody who has not spoken about something that's been so headline worthy in that city. Um, I just think the way that the story was done and the way that the, the you know, you can feel the way that the interview was done, it, it just, it was lacking the balance. It was lacking, you know, the the complete picture. And I just, let's just say if I'm covering this story and I'm covering the New York Rangers and I get you know, my opportunity with, with Tony D'Angelo, I'm not injecting myself into this story. I am not making this a column. I am not putting any kind of my own spin on this. This is instead of, you know, it's the height of irony that Tony D'Angelo could play the victim card here. No, sir, but I'm going to play it for him was basically the way this column laid out. That's not, it, we, it goes back to the, what the journalist's job is to do. And I know Larry Brooks is a columnist, but I just think a story with this many layers and this much stuff, it shouldn't be a column. This should be, you know, Tony D'Angelo was speaking for the first time in an exclusive interview with the New York Post. Um, here's everything that happened. Factually, here's everything that happened between Tony D'Angelo, the Rangers. Here's the history. Here's what he has to say. Here's the other side of it, you know, and then you keep going through. I, I just don't think it's 
the right play to to play the victim card for Tony D'Angelo as a reporter. Like that is not the way that I would have gone about this story. And I think there was follow-up questions that probably needed to be asked. I think there was, you know, like I said before, there's a bigger picture here that needed to be covered instead of just look at Tony D'Angelo. He just wants to play hockey. That's just not it. It, it. There's just way too much here to put your own stake in the ground and put your own voice injected into a story like this. That's just, for me personally, it's not the way I would have gone about it, but I'm not a columnist either, so I can understand that a bit, but it's just, I personally found some of the stuff in it um, irresponsible, very irresponsible. And, but, but it, here's the thing. It's newsworthy. Like getting Tony D'Angelo on the record is newsworthy. So the idea that what Larry Brooks did wasn't newsworthy, I don't agree with that. It's newsworthy. I think I tend to agree with you, Haley, that, uh, you know, maybe if I was doing it, it would have been framed a little bit differently. Uh, But now, I mean, look, it's out there in the public record. So at least now if Larry Brooks didn't ask the questions that we wanted to ask, well, now we can start asking those questions, right? And I, I think what would be great is if you want to, if you're um, Tony D'Angelo's camp, I, I know he's an Eden Pulver guy as his agent and, and is with that agency. I would say you need to get Tony D'Angelo in front of somebody who looks like me. Okay? In the hockey world. It doesn't have to be. Pick pick Kevin Weeks. Pick, pick Farhan Lalji. Pick anybody you want and put him in a conversation with us so we can understand this young man. I, I want to make this clear. My job is not to shame Tony D'Angelo and run him out of hockey in the National Hockey League. My job, I would say, as somebody who's been in around this sport for 20 years, Haley, I want to help educate young people. And mm-hmm. Tony D'Angelo has obviously had some missteps. I think isolating this guy and kicking him out of the game forever doesn't do anybody any good. And we need to understand. We're asking, as a visible minority, I often ask people to put uh, put yourself in my shoes. Understand what it's like for me being a brown-skinned person covering the NHL, okay? What I'm trying to do is put myself in Tony D'Angelo's shoes or skates and understand, okay, maybe this young man grew up in a certain way and maybe he was exposed to certain ideas. And you know what? If I was in Tony D'Angelo's skates and shoes, maybe I would have those opinions, right? Like, And I think it's really important we figure out like, where does this come from? Is it still an issue? And if it's not an issue, okay, well, let's let's have a conversation with somebody who doesn't look like Tony D'Angelo, doesn't sound like Tony D'Angelo, and see how that conversation goes. And that's that's what I would be about. I don't want to, like, I don't want to be part of the narrative that's like, I'm going to cancel Tony D'Angelo forever, and I don't ever want to hear or see of this guy again. That's not the way we should be doing it. If we're talking about in, building an inclusive society in hockey, that that also means including people that don't align with us on the other side of the fence. And so I don't know where all of this goes, but I, I kind of feel like Haley, the, the article, I don't want to say it was a plant because again, that, that is a disservice to everybody, but I think it's clear this is out there for maybe just maybe this will get some teams thinking, okay, well maybe this young man isn't that bad. Maybe we can go ahead and trade for him. Yeah, and, and I totally agree. Like like we both said, it is newsworthy that he was talking. So to say, you know, you know, why is this even happening? I, I just don't think that's fair to what is newsworthy in journalism. But I think I think it definitely, you know, like I was saying, there was questions that should have been asked and, and there was a bigger picture that sh- maybe should have been tackled here instead of just beating the, you know, 
Tony D'Angelo side. And I think a lot of those kind of questions would have come from somebody like yourself or somebody different asking those questions. Um, and that's not us ripping Larry Brooks. That's not no. us trying to, you know, tear down the machine and whatever it may be. That's just us saying like, there's more to this that needs to be covered. And I would hope that somebody different is given an opportunity to do that. Because I, I just don't think that this should be the only Tony D'Angelo story that's out there. I think there no. needs to be some more. Yeah, exactly. Young people need multiple opportunities in life to get it right. Uh, like I said, I'd love to, and I, I understand my job as a reporter, as a journalist, uh, people might say that that's not your job, but it is. It's it's my job uh, to try and foster a more inclusive place in the NHL. And I'd love to see uh, people work with this young man and figure out what's the root of the problem and and can we, can we address this. But I know, Haley, um, we're going to get Steve Dangle to join us here in a second. Real quick, we actually had a legitimate trade in the NHL on the weekend. Uh, the Ottawa Senators, Carolina Hurricanes trading a two-for-one deal where Ryan Dezingle comes back to Ottawa in exchange for Alex Galchenyuk and Cedric Paquette. Now, what I want to ask you about is Don Waddell puts a statement out about the trade. I'm going to read the statement again. Remember, the Carolina Hurricanes have traded for Cedric Paquette and, I stress, and Alex Galchenyuk. Here's the statement from Hurricanes general manager Don Waddell. Quote, Cedric is a strong physical forward who won the Stanley Cup with Tampa Bay last season. We're excited to add both of these players to our forward group. Um... <laughs> Like, where's the line about Galchenyuk? Not even a Alex is a talented forward with a 30-goal season on his resume. Or nothing? Like, what, what happened here? I just, uh, what is he supposed to say? We're excited to be the sixth franchise to give Alex Galchenyuk a shot. Like, I don't want to be, like, I, you know, I'm not going to try to kick a guy when he's down. But, I mean, I would prefer a statement like that from Don Waddell than a statement like glowing praise of, you know, how proud they are to to be acquiring Alex Galchenyuk. That, Cause that's just disingenuous. And we've seen that. And we've seen it not work. And so it's a little bit cheeky. It's, you know, a little bit of a savage move by Don Waddell to just like, yeah, there's two guys here, but I'm only talking about one. Uh I don't know. I just what what else are you supposed to say? You just know. anything, I guess. But anyway, but, but anyway, I <laughs> yeah, just thought it was funny. They, we're excited for Alex, also. Yeah, <laughs> that's all. That's all. Yeah, say, Haley, we're excited <laughs> for Steve Dangle. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I guess this is a little reciprocal uh, deal because I think you and I, Haley, were both on uh, the Steve Dangle podcast uh, right when we launched our own podcast, right? A, a couple of weeks ago? Yep. Yeah. Well, so, was that your Steve Dangle podcast debut? Because that was like my sixth time on that show. Uh, wow. You, you think he's going to get an Ottawa guy to come on his podcast all the time? Forget it. No. But we're so, so <laughs> pleased to have him with us. And you know what, Steve? I'm going to ask – the first question I'm going to ask you actually comes uh, via Twitter. 
And Alex wants to know, hey, Steve, are you doing this podcast from beyond the grave after Edge murdered you on the weekend? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Like, I, I died and went to heaven, but also got speared there uh, off a ladder. What a, what a dumb... What a dumb life. Like, like just, <laughs> I can I can make a video cutting a promo on someone who I watched wrestle growing up and uh, who happens to be a Leafs fan. And then I never in a million years would have expected him to to do one back. Because, like, I, my wife even said, like, you don't think he'll actually respond to you. I go, no. And then I told her he made it. And she's like, dude, he has, he has over a million followers. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just glad, like, it was – Obviously, all in good fun, and he took it exactly the way that he should have. Because you never know; because those guys are pretty intense. I thought. I think my favorite part of his video, like I watched it, is he was just so calm. <laughs> there was yeah. just like such like a calm nature, and then all the belts hanging yeah. everywhere. It was just ooh. There's like the memorabilia wall, and then there's like your belts hanging everywhere. It's a little yeah. bit different. <laughs> I uh I didn't keep all my like participant soccer trophies and <laughs> my 5-year-old uh, I learned how to skate thing and then I quit. Yeah, <laughs> don't have a lot of accomplishments. Uh Edge world champion, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. And that Bunny LaRock mask at the end was like unbelievable. Oh. So good. Well, I got to show him this though today. Got I got my autograph Felix Potven mask. That's my pride and joy right there. I mean, I have a kid too, but whatever. Like <laughs> that, that, that mask, that mask though, it's all mine. Now what? Now what year is that Felix? Day. What year is this Felix Potvin mask from? That is a good question because I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like a hundred percent authentic. There are some like little designs on it. Like there's a little, um, like it says Potvin in there. There's leafs within the design, which I don't think he actually had. I got this from someone who I think they're a big podcast listener, but, um, they ended up actually making a pretty huge, uh, donation to Easter seals. And for mm. whatever reason they came across this thing and sent it to me and I look at the back and it's signed and everything. Ah, oh, forget edge. If I had to listen, I'm very happy. Edge is coming on the show, but if I had the option of interviewing him or keeping that mask, I would just simply have an edgeless show. This mask, this mask. Oh, it's my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing that I own. That's really cool that it came from a listener too, or just somebody who is, you know, making donations. Like that's really, really cool. Do you get stuff sent to you a lot? Um, I get, uh, I get a lot of drawings and paintings and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually, you know what? It's usually of my dogs. Um, so yeah. I got a few really cool ones of that. I got this really nice woodworked. Uh, thing uh, that's got both my dogs on either side and it says victory puppies carved into it with the the leaf logo and now it's like the centerpiece kind of uh of my blue room set i i love it that's amazing that's really cool sorry Ian, See, go ahead <laughs> Haley's just fishing now for our podcast listeners to start mailing us stuff uh do you uh do you often get stuff mailed to you yeah i love how she asked Should that i and- how did you open a P.O. box? Did yeah. you have you – know? <laughs> I went to this place called Shopper's Drug Mart, and I was like, give me a P.O. box. And they said, that's rude. And I said, may I please have one? And they said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I gave them money. Amazing. Hey, before we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Maple Leafs with you. And I know this is a um, an audio – uh, podcast, but we are connecting with you via Zoom, and both Haley and I are fascinated 
by the t-shirt that you're wearing, which comes with quite the backstory. So why don't you fill in our listeners about what you're wearing today? Yeah. So my wife is from Aberdeen, uh, Scotland, and we go there every few years. Um, and the last time I was there, we went to, uh, I think it's a store called Primark, um, which I don't know, maybe that's like Sears or, or something over there, but I randomly saw this Anaheim duck shirt and it's not even like, it's not even really their colors, it's got the, the copper and the yellow randomly. Um, but it was like six pounds, which I think is like 10 or $11 Canadian. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to knock at the Scottish ducks Jersey. And so then I, I got it and I just wore it all around. Uh, I get it in Glasgow or Edinburgh. I don't know. They're both great cities and I was probably drunk. So it was a, it was a very good time. I feel like a lot of, there's like a lot of random sports, specifically hockey things you can buy, like just in your travels. I, I've seen lots of, um, I was in Paris and I was waiting at the airport because we were going from Paris to the south of France. And there was just Raptors stuff everywhere. Like the whole magazine rack was all Toronto Raptors because they had just won, which makes a bit more sense. But there was like more Raptors stuff in that Paris airport than I had seen when I was back home in Toronto. And it was very random, but very cool to see, like being from Toronto and seeing the Toronto Raptors all over the Paris International Airport. That wasn't something cool. I was expecting. I, I would have thought all Raptors stuff would be banned in France after what Vince Carter did to that one random guy. Oh, I don't he even posterized them. Oh, I don't even know that guy's name. I just yeah, know his height is 72. That one guy. <laughs> you just know that Vince is dunking over him at the Olympics in, in 2000. Yeah, that's amazing. So, uh, Listen, we uh, we got we got to bring you in for some uh, multiple choice madness here in a second. But I want to ask you this: We're on the and just happened to be the timing that we're getting you Ottawa, Toronto are playing each other three times in a row. The Leafs are first overall, Ottawa's last overall. Three games. How many do the Leafs win all three this week? Ooh, I could see because did Ottawa not win their last game? They did. They beat Winnipeg. Oh boy, I could I could see something dumb where okay, I'm I'm happy about the way the Leafs are playing. Uh generally, I I really am. But I look at the record and I'm like, okay, even a good team should be losing more than that. Like, you know what I mean? So it's it's almost too much of a good thing. I have a feeling the Leafs are going to maybe pull off the first win. Then I think we start having the conversation. Well, I mean, Michael Hutchinson should maybe get a start. Then he gets in. It's a little rocky. And the next game, maybe they lose. I could see the Leafs going one and two against the Sens coming up because it just feels like they're due to have a crummy streak. And for as bad as the Sens are, it, even the worst teams in the NHL these days will still win like a quarter of their games. Like it's it's – they're they're due. I feel like it's two forces that are due, and every time they play, there's some sort of weird magic about them. And I, I don't think any team has given the Leafs fits the way Ottawa did in the second game of the season. So I'm I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, look out. Uh, you, you Leaf Leaf fans are always full of reverse jinxes. I can yeah. just you're just reverse. Ottawa's not winning two out of three. I'm just gonna tell you that. We need we need all the help we can get. Hey, the reverse yeah. jinx worked against uh, Vancouver. They had that first terrible game against the Leafs, and I said, "Oh, no, self-respecting NHL team is going to do that performance again." And then the very next night, they were worse somehow. Yeah. 
Oh, they, they've had like one good period in that second game. They were, they. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like one good period. I, uh, I was, I was happy to see them win the other night because those three games against the Leafs were sad. They, they made me sad. Yeah. The flames were not good uh, yesterday in that win for the Canucks. They were not good. Such an easy uh, <laughs> team to cheer for too. You know, Matthew Kachuk and. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I am not stoked to it's funny, there's been a few rivalries already uh, you know, kindled a, a, a little bit. Um I'm not stoked to see that guy eight more times. <laughs> we gotta see Scott Sabrin do something against Ottawa. That's what we need. So supposedly he's not even gonna be in the lineup tonight, and I'm actually kind of oh. disappointed. I wanna I wanna see he should play one of the three for yeah. crying out loud. Hundred percent. Hundred like cause even as a league fan, I just I want to. I want to see. I just want to see uh, what that's like. And you know, perhaps, perhaps the Wayne Simmons uh, storyline with the Leafs this season has been overblown. I think, but they are clearly playing differently this season. And in their last game against Montreal, there were a few moments where I'm like, mm, "You look a lot like last year's Leafs." Just in terms of like their defense is much better no matter what, so that's good. But just in the way they were pushed around, um, mm-hmm. and it's you see the absence of a guy like that, how it affects the whole team because he's not there to fight all the Leafs' fights. He's there to bring them into the fight, and they just mm-hmm. seem to lack this swagger a little bit. Yeah, it's more That's- that swagger than sandpaper. I think like calling it sandpaper yeah. makes it seem like he's just an enforcer, but there's that kind of heartbeat feeling that. We talk about with the Kachucks all the time. Brady Kachuk drags the Sens into the battle. Matthew Kachuk is the heartbeat of the Calgary Flames. And, you know, I don't know if you're going to say that Wayne Simmons is the heartbeat of the team because, you know, he typically that goes hand in hand with a guy who's like a centerpiece. But he seems to be a really, really important piece to what the Toronto Maple Leafs have been doing this season. Because yeah, he's scoring they- some goals too. He's, he is scoring some goals, but they're they're also getting Joe Thornton back. They, they need mm-hmm. – you need – a guy who you're you're as excited as a child to see score who's not on the fourth line. It can't be Jason yeah. Spezza every bloody night. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so th- it's this is how I know the Leafs are still a young team. Is these kids every time someone over the age of thirty scores, they look surprised like it's a miracle. Look at the geriatric who scored, and I, and I it's a lot of fun to watch. But then I look at my own age and I go, hey. Wait a minute. Not, no, I don't like this. I don't like this new age. Oh, it's well. so it's so funny because I just people who know me know I like love memes and I love gifts and I just saw this one meme and it was like me. Oh, I'm only 32. I have my whole life ahead of me. I'm in my prime. And then it's like also me. Oh my god, like X player just turned 30. Oh, he's past his prime. Like, time to hang him up. Just the discourse about athletes compared to our own selves. Yeah, well, like, Wayne, Wayne Simmons, he's, uh, you know, at the tail end of his career, and he's a much older player. I'm like, my friends went to school with him. <laughs> what the, What are you talking about? He's in my, He was in my grade. I just didn't, uh, we, we, our paths never connected, but uh, Adam, Adam Weil went to school with that guy, man. See, you you two are lucky you're younger than me. I'm So I'm the same age as Tom Brady. I'm clinging to it. I, I just want Brady to keep winning Super Bowls so that I can still say that there's like an active athlete that's the same age as me. But you will both get to the point 
uh, and I'm I'm almost there now. Where if you're watching the draft, you start thinking like, "Wow, those parents look young," and then all of a sudden you're like, "I'm the same age as the parent uh, on draft day with the kid being uh, drafted in the first round." It is scary. It is really scary when that day comes. Oh yeah. my god, that's yeah. not what I'm looking forward to. I, <laughs> I know. I, I had I had an unfair advantage um, when I covered junior uh, with one of my first jobs. Uh, in the biz making 75 bucks a week um, nice. because I was I was actually younger than a handful of the players in the OHL that year there there were a few there were a few overage players who I think were like I don't know a few months older than me or whatever but uh, you know uh, they were intimidated a few players it's funny back in the day they were like intimidated to talk to Gino Retta and I'm like don't don't worry I'm like six months older than you. And you're right, he is scary, but you only have to deal with him for 10 minutes. So <laughs> don't worry, you're going to have a great time. I had like a – I was older than everybody in when I worked in junior for two years with Oshawa, um, home of Steam Dangle. Um, <laughs> but when I worked in Oshawa, my, you know, my best friend Jessica and I, we would always kind of shudder because, you know – there would be players and you'd be like, oh, God, he was born in like 2003. Like, oh, no. That's when you feel old, when you're looking through the list of the new guys on the like the roster or the draft. And you're like, yeah, he was born in 2000, 2003. Yep. Nope. I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm only but- 26. And I was having the like, oh, God. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> oh, God. Now, now it's Ian and I's turn to be upset. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're not allowed to say that. So you're. I felt old, so. You, you, and and the my podcast co-host Jesse fall into the same boat where you you talk like uh, you know I'm of a different generation. It's like no, no, no. Hey, we would have went to like school together. Maybe not you, but Jesse <laughs> is like three years younger than Adam and I. He needs to shut up. Anyway, this is this isn't about you anymore. This is about my bitterness towards Jesse. Yeah, that's fine. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, Steve. Listen, it's great to have you on the show today. We wanted to toss you in to our little segment that we do on Monday, uh, which is Multiple Choice Madness. So you uh, you all set to uh, to hop on here with us for a little Bring bit it. of fun? Okay, Bring here it. we go. Okay, so we've got five questions. I'm going to just go back and forth between the two of you, uh, Steve and Haley. You guys can answer these questions. Let's start with this. Uh, Haley and I touched on this earlier in the podcast. So Steve, I'm going to start with you on this one. What do you think was the most controversial moment from the NHL last week? Was it A, Tony D'Angelo speaking out and uh, speaking to Larry Brooks of the New York Post, was it B, Canucks owner Francisco Aquilini uh, tweeting about the media and defending Jim Benning, or was it C, John Tortorella benching Patrick Laine for what the team said was the verbal disrespecting of a coach? Steve, what was the most controversial thing that happened in the NHL in the past seven days? Aquilini made headlines because, I mean, it's an owner, uh, right, Uh, speaking out, but at the end of the day, it's it's not it's not that unusual for someone in management or ownership to throw up a smoke screen as a distraction. Uh, I would say Patrick Laine is the most controversial, but it's John Tortorella, and that's just sort of what he does: <laughs> benching people <laughs> for for a guy who doesn't want to bench anyone. It sure seems to be his favorite thing. So uh, I'm I'm gonna say Tony D'Angelo because uh, I read that piece um, uh, from Larry Brooks. And it's ridiculous. I'll just come out and say it's absolutely ridiculous. And what I've what I've noticed um, from 
his camp, from the Rangers, is there seems to be a real overloading of information to make the whole narrative confusing. And they really hammer the Keandre Miller puck stuff because it's, it's a story that's not totally confirmed and, and they try to so dealt with it. But at the end of the day, even if you ignore what happened with Tony D'Angelo in the OHL, and even if you ignore this and you ignore that at the end of the day, no redemption article talking about how much you've learned is going to erase the fact that there was currently an NHL team paying you millions of dollars to stay away. And they're not doing that because of what you did when you were 17 or 18. And they're not doing that because Alexander Georgiev allegedly punched you in the face, right? They're doing that for other reasons. Why? So to me, that's the biggest controversy. Sorry if that's too long of an answer. No, no, that's great. Haley, what, uh, what's the most controversial thing for the last seven days? Yeah. You know, I, like, I do agree with Steve with everything that he just said, but you know, that's always super boring. So I'll go with the, uh, I'll go with the Patrick. It's, it's not fun to just agree with people on radio or podcasting. Um, I, and I hate agreeing with Ian. I never do that. Um, I, I'm going to go with Patrick line getting benched in a game by John Tortorella. Cause I just found it was a bit con- like part of the controversy was the discourse that happened in the immediate aftermath of like, oh, God, here we go again. It took exactly what two games for Tortorella to bench Patrick Line. Oh, is he going to want out again? Like, let's analyze the look on Line's face on the bench. Like, let's make some memes. And then it came out from the team. You know, no, it wasn't because of the multiple defensive lapses that he did have. Like, those were factual. I watched the game. He did have those moments where he cost, you know, he he cost him a goal, arguably. Um, but it was because he verbally disrespected one of the coaches and Tortorella was like, no, we're not going to handle that. We're not. Nope, you can't do that here. Make an example of this. You're going to sit. Um, yeah, I just I just think, you know, he's a brand new player. This was supposed to be like, oh, he's exactly what they needed. And this is going to be great. And this is going to be fun. And, you know, he scored a couple of nice goals and he got a fight. But, you know, he also got benched. Uh, it's not really controversial, but I definitely think that was the most like headline worthy and just kind of weird just because of that really quick back and forth that happened. You know, there was a very quick kind of PR ish turn there to the, to the kind of discourse around what happened. You know, I was going to add a fourth option. If Tuka Rask got scored on when he left the net briefly there against the Rangers, I, I would have put that on the list. But thankfully, uh, Tuka got back into the net uh, in time. Okay, <laughs> question number two on this uh, Multiple Choice Madness Monday. Haley, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, we're looking at the four teams that are sitting in last place in their division right now. By the way, all of them missed the playoffs last year. My question is, which fan base gang should be the most upset or worried that their team is currently sitting in last place in their respected division? division right now is it a the Ottawa Senators in the North Division B Buffalo in the East C Detroit in the Central or D San Jose in the West Haley I'm gonna say San Jose just because you know last year when we were talking about the Senators getting you know their pick which ended up becoming Tim Stutzla I think a lot of the conversation was like there's no way this happens again like the San Jose Sharks can't be in the basement again and I think uh just when you look at some of the contracts that that team has, some of the players that that team has. You know, Eric Carlson has has struggled. Um, you know, I just think that that's a team that when you look at the players on the team and, again, the contracts and the amount of money they're paying some of those players, they shouldn't be last, but they are. 
And it's not the <laughs> – this is now the second year in a row where there's been a lot of disappointment in the San Jose team. At the same time, I don't want to kick them too bad because they have – I mean, they just had their first game in their own home rink. You know, it's probably not easy playing in a pandemic. You know, this has been a very weird year for everyone, but they were playing their games in Arizona. They weren't even allowed in their own home city. So that's probably not easy either. But I, I just think that the Sharks probably – didn't expect to be in the basement once again. All right, Steve, over to you. Same question. Sens, Sabres, Red Wings, Sharks. What fan base do you think should be like the most angry, upset, worried that their team's in last place right now? Well, Ottawa sure seems like it's by design. Um, Red Wings, uh, I think, underratedly so. Like that team is, they really seem to be keeping uh, the young players down and they're being very conservative about that. Sharks fans should definitely be disappointed, especially with the contracts that that team has. But how do you not say the Buffalo Sabres? Like enough is enough um, with this team stinking. Like not even just missing the playoffs, stinking. They stink. Uh, And I and I just talked to Dwayne Steinell. You know the big Sabres fan called into the radio and he was freaking out about all the fake jerseys and everything. And enough is enough. How do you not be fed up if you're a Buffalo Sabres fan? Dwayne from Buffalo is the greatest caller ever to any sports talk radio show of all time. That was uh, epic and really captured the mood of uh, and frustration of Sabres fans. Okay, question number three, multiple choice madness. You may have seen these floated out on the weekend. It was Valentine's Day on Sunday. NHL teams were putting out their own Valentine's Day card. So I asked the two of you. I'm going to give you a a few examples. Uh, What was the best one? Which of these ones did you actually like? Was it A, Florida Panthers putting out a little picture of Radko Gudis with the phrase, you're as good as it gets? Was it B, uh, St. Louis Blues with a uh, Jacob De La Rose with, will you accept this De La Rose? Number C, or uh, uh, letter C here, uh, the New York Rangers put out a Valentine with their super rookie Alexis Lafreniere and the phrasing was simply live Laugh, love. Uh, this one might be partial to your heart, uh, Mr. Dangle. It is Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Justin Hall, who scored quite the goal against Carey Price uh, last week. That was unbelievable. Uh, but the Valentine's Day card from the Leafs was, you have my Hall heart. Or I'm going to give you option E, which I feel like Haley's going to take, which is they're all terrible. Steve, first to you. Which one of these Valentine's Day messages did you like? The Hall Heart. That's easily the worst one. It's not even. It's not even close. It's only good if you mispronounce his name. Listen, I'm. I'm looking at. They all stink. But I gotta say, as good as it gets, this is kind of good. It's kind of good. It made me chuckle. That one's good. I like that one. There we go. As uh, good as it gets, Haley. Are Are you going? You, you, they're all terrible. So it's a. It's a good thing that this is a podcast and not like a video platform because my facial expressions probably gave me away. I did not like a single one. I will say (laughs) live, laugh, love did kind of make me laugh in like a, my God, that's stupid kind of way. (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't know. I'm not a... It just it made me feel like I don't even know if teams tweeted these or if Ian just made them up. Like those no, stink they, like they, an they, Ian pun. They, uh, uh, They're wow. dead. That's, yeah. uh, that's yeah. a hurtful comment. Okay. On the question number four, and this is what sort of sparked the whole debate between Edge and uh, Steve Dangle last week. I'm going to ask the question to the panel here. Haley, you start. 
who actually deserves the title of the greatest Leafs fan of all time? Is it A, our pal Steve Dangle? Is it B, WWE superstar wrestler Edge? Or C, what about any Leafs fan basically over the age of 50 who has lived through a 50-plus year drought? Haley, who, de- who actually deserves the mantle of greatest Leafs fan of all time? I'm going to say C. I, I just think the patience and the loyalty that these fans have for this team because, I mean, Leafs fans, they do get really cranky and they get very, very mad about things, but they're still there. They're still there. They still love the Leafs for 50 plus years. My dad is a Leafs fan and I've seen him through some of the tough times. You know, he's very passionate about his Toronto Maple Leafs. So I, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, Steve. Um, you are a close second. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to say the the 50 year old Leafs fans who've been sticking with the team for a long time. I I got to agree with you. I it's a with Leaf fans, it's a collective suffering. But we we can't uh, you know we can't talk about one being bigger than the other, or I love them more, or even you know Edge. I got to talk to him about his little affinity for the New Jersey Devils. Like what what's going on there? But a lot of Leaf fans at some point. They let their eyes wander a little bit because the the team uh, let them down. For me, when I was younger, it was the Detroit Red Wings uh, a little bit. So it's a collective suffering. I think it's I think it's everyone. All right, that's a smart answer from both of you. That 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 that's a that's a great answer. Okay, last question. Now, Leafs fans are thinking if ever we had, I don't want to say an easy path to the the, the final four, but certainly this year. It, feels like if Toronto's ever going to get to the final four, this would be the year, the way that the divisions are set up. And this could be the year, depending on how the hockey gods uh, lay things out, we could get a Toronto-Boston Stanley Cup final. So here's my question to both of you. If the Toronto (laughs) Maple Leafs got to a Stanley Cup final, but they lost in game seven to the Bruins, would that still be a satisfactory season for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Steve? No. No. (laughs) <laughs> no, for the love of God, no. That is, in fact, my worst nightmare, is that they would lose in the Stanley Cup final, uh, especially Game 7 of the Stanley Cup final, that they would get so tantalizingly close and still lose it. I've seen that in my nightmares. But this one year, this one stupid year, where it would actually be possible to lose to Boston in that scenario? You're Satan. You're actually the devil himself. I, I cannot believe you would even put that vision in my head. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, that, well, hey, listen, I've covered the Ottawa Senators for a long time. It's my job to torment you. Fair enough. From afar. That is fair. Good job yeah. then. Yeah. Haley, uh, look, Leafs fans have been saying, for we got to get to the final four. We just got to get to the... So, Haley, there's a scenario. They get to a game seven and they lose to the Bruins. Would that be satisfactory? No, I just, I think that for Leafs fans, like Steve, wouldn't you be less devastated if they lost in like the conference final or something? Like they lost the round before. Exactly. You know? Those, I they lost a few times in the conference final when I was younger. I am sad about it, but I'm not haunted by it. Buffalo Sabres yeah. fans haven't shut up about 99 for two decades now. Yeah. You know? I see. Look at the way that Jamie Benn was last year after losing. You get so close, like that's terrible. You get so close and you just have to live with losing and not just losing, but like watching the boat parades. Like imagine sitting and watching, and I know it's a different year. I just said Jamie Ben, but imagine watching Alex Ovechkin drunk in a fountain all summer while thinking about like the worst, you know, you just lost in the final. Think about that. 
terrible. You, like, what do those players do? You just throw not just your phone, but I guess your TV into the ocean. You can't watch anything. No, it's oh, I wouldn't. God, the worst torment. So, this, how so dare no, you put Ian. this in my head? Yeah, yeah, that I was know. definitely like a Battle of Ontario rivalry kind of question, Ian. But it's yeah, weird. that was that was wrong of me, <laughs> and that's that's not the way we wanted to end this. I want to end this on good terms, but we do appreciate you. Steve, listen, for dropping by uh, the podcast today. We really love the visit. Thanks for doing this. Look, enjoy the uh, the Ottawa-Toronto games uh, this week. And uh, why don't we allow you, I, I think most people who listen, they know where to find you. But hey, listen, shameless plug for yourself here, Steve. Where can, where can people find you and your podcast? For sure. Well, uh, I got a couple staple videos on the Sportsnet YouTube channel called Hat Picks and Dang It's. Hat Picks are the good. Dang it's are the bad. So hopefully the Sens are on dang it's and the Leafs yeah. are on hat picks this week. That's the Sportsnet YouTube channel. Um, obviously my podcast, we're going to have Edge on uh, my YouTube channel. And uh, I got a book and I don't want to be this guy, but Google me. <laughs> I got it's a easier. Book. <laughs> Google me. This Google. team is ruining my book. life is the book. And yeah. it's, uh, it's fantastic. Even James Reimer thinks it's a good book. Sean Fitzgerald interviewed him and James hadn't read it. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I was devastated. That hurts. See, I don't, look, now I'm hurting you even more on the way out. But hey, listen, have a great week. Enjoy the <laughs> Ottawa-Toronto games. And, and uh, we'd love to have you again down the road. For sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Steve. All right, Haley, that was a ton of fun having uh, Steve Dangle uh, join us. And as we open up. The hail bag, actually, this question, this first question uh, is actually kind of about our pal Steve Dangle and that uh, battle he had uh, with Edge. So here's the question. This comes in on Twitter, Haley, on the hail bag from Green Bear Do Care. Again, I don't know what these mean. Green Bear Do Care was the uh, the handle. And uh, here's the question for us. Uh, you all work in sports media and have had the chance to interview some inspiring people or people that you've interviewed. Uh, with Steve's recent Edge shout out, who is the person or persons acknowledging your existence that resulted in an OMG is this real life moment for you? So what's it for you, Haley? I think the biggest ones for me have just been, you know, through my work in women's hockey. I grew up, you know, idolizing, you know, the Haley Wickenheisers, Cassie Campbells, Jaina Heffords. You know, I grew up watching not just the NHL and every sport, but, you know, I like most you know, lived and died by, you know, Canada, USA at the Olympics. And so for me, you know, one of my first ever pieces I did here at The Athletic was an interview with Jaina Hefford. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it's Jaina Hefford. She's in the hockey, like it was right before she won the Hockey Hall of Fame. And I was like, this is really cool. Um, and then I also did, and, and Jaina, uh, you know, I've gotten to know her really well through, you know, the PWHPA. She was the commissioner of the CWHL. So that was a cool moment for me. But, you know, I think, um, I did a story about the Canada USA rivalry. It's one of my favorite stories I've ever done for the athletic. And I just did this kind of oral history type going through the years, looking at how the Canada USA rivalry has changed. And it was, you know, looking at the original rivalry. So I talked to like Cassie Campbell, Cami Granado, um, you know, AJ Malesko, all those players, um, and then I went through that kind of the middle years um, and then the current. So, you know, Poulin, Hillary Knight, you know, Laura Stacy, all the current players. And I remember, you know, the story was done. I posted it and Cassie Campbell Pascal tweeted it and said, like, this is the best story ever done about the Canada-USA rivalry. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> that was captain of Team Canada. She just tweeted. Like, that was my, like, holy crap 
Cassie Campbell read my story because I had interviewed Cassie before, um, but I was like, holy crap, Cassie Campbell talked to me. She read my story and she liked it. And for me, that was just such a huge one. And I think my dad has those moments more than I do, you know, just vicariously through my career. Like I was at home once and I got a call from from Jaina Hefford and, and it's my phone's buzzing and he sees it and he's like, what? What? The Jaina Hefford is calling you? Like Hall of Fame Jaina Hefford is calling you? I was like, yes, dad, it's Jaina. So my dad has those moments all the time when I have like an interview with somebody, you know, specifically those, you know, female Olympians. Those are always the big moments for me and my family for sure. Yeah. You know, for me, it would be, uh, I was at the Vancouver Olympics in 2010 working for Sportsnet and uh, Nick Kiprios had arranged a sit down interview for me and Wayne Gretzky. Like Gretz had agreed to do this interview, but here's the catch, okay? Wayne was doing an interview with NBC uh, and because for their morning show, I think on MSNBC. And okay. so the, the deal was Wayne would do the, this interview with me at the Olympic Broadcast Center, but it would be at 4.30 in the morning, Vancouver time. Like I'm mm -hmm. in Vancouver, but Wayne was on NBC at, you know, 7 a.m., which was four o'clock. Pacific time. You're like, as Wayne will come into the broadcast studio, but you got to be ready at, at 4.30. I'm like, yeah, no problem. So I'm waiting inside and they're like, yeah, Wayne will come to the door. So I'm waiting there and it's pouring. It's Vancouver, right? In February, it's pouring rain. The, the glass knocks. I open it. It's Wayne Gretzky. He's soaking wet, Haley. Okay? Oh, no. He comes in <laughs> and he's angry. He's like, and I, it's Wayne Gretzky, right? Like, and he's angry. He's like, NBC bleeping left me out in the bleeping cold and rain. And, and he's so sour. And I'm like, no oh, kidding. God. And, but here's the worst part. My camera person's not there yet and he's not ready. And, and Wayne's like, are we ready to go here? And I'm like, uh, yeah, just, uh, just a second. And I'm going up the escalator with Wayne Gretzky and it's four, it's like a dream, right? It's four in the morning. I'm up with a soaking wet, angry Wayne Gretzky and my camera's <laughs> not ready. And we had this huge kitchen. I'm like, hey, can I get you a coffee? He's like, yeah, a coffee would be great. And I'm like, I don't even know how to make coffee. I'm like, I'll just figure <laughs> this out. And thankfully, he kind of, I got him like some, I think I got him paper towels too. Like imagine giving Wayne Gretzky paper towels <laughs> to dry dab off. dab yourself off, Yeah, Wayne. you just dab yourself lightly, <laughs> great one. And uh, he dried off and my camera person finally kind of showed up. It was a little bit late, but Wayne was totally fine. He just sat there and we sat up in the room and he just, we just chatted for like 20 minutes. It was like, this is Amazing. unreal. He's the best. He's unbelievable. So yeah, I, seeing an angry Wayne Gretzky uh, was <laughs> was unbelievable. But then to see him just do a 180 and be like his normal self was, yeah, it was great. That's was so cool. Me. I I interviewed, it, it was in a scrum. So it's not like I had a one-on-one -on -one with Wayne Gretzky, but I was still an intern at CBC News. And it was my final day of being an intern. And it was the day after Austin Matthews scored the four goals against the Senators in his NHL debut. And Wayne was launching his new 99 Red Cask Whiskey. Like, I'll never forget it. And they're like, so my editors and, and the people at the desk at CBC knew that I wanted to be a sports reporter. And they were like, Haley, why don't you go and uh, clip Wayne Gretzky? <laughs> He's launching his whiskey. And I was like, what? <laughs> Pardon? It was my very last day. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we don't have anyone available. Like, usually we just send a camera to go and film this. But why don't you go ask him about Austin Matthews? We don't really, yeah, we're not going to do a story about the whiskey, but if he has something cool to say about Austin or the Leafs, why don't you go ask Wayne Gretzky about Austin Matthews? And I was like, oh God, like this is so cool. I was texting my dad and I dropped my pen on my shirt. So there's like this pen, pen mark all down my shirt. 
I'm going to interview Wayne Gretzky and I look disheveled and I'm this like little intern, but it was like the very, it was the coolest thing. Cause you know, I, I just appreciated CBC doing that for me. They were just like, yeah, why don't you go, eh, go talk to Wayne. It's your last day. Congratulations. Like you did, did a good job. Did you ask the question? Yeah, I did. And I did a story. It went through like the hockey night in Canada and it was, you know, he was talking about how impressive it was and because it was so it was so random though cuz I knew that he was launching his whiskey it's at the LCBO like this is about his Wayne Gretzky like wineries his distilleries and it was kind of funny cuz I remember standing there and they're like is there any more questions for Wayne and I didn't ask anything yet and I was like I'm going to be the one to ask a hockey question here you know I'm so sorry typical Canadian apologizing like I'm going to be the one to ask a hockey question sorry did you see Austin Matthews debut yesterday and he's like oh yeah it was so impressive la 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 and I asked him like a follow-up and he talked about Austin and at that point most of the cameras kind of shut off walked away because the PR person was like all right is that everything I was like "Ah, I've got one like I've maybe got one sorry can I hop in here and then everyone kind of started coming back over because they're like oh he's talking about Austin Matthews but a lot of the media had kind of shut their cameras off and left and then it ended and Wayne's just kind of standing there and everyone else leaves and I'm just kind of standing there. And I was like, so DJ had a good tournament yesterday. And I just like started talking to Wayne Gretzky about Dustin Johnson because he was world number one still at the time. And I was like, so DJ played really well <laughs> last night. He was like, yeah, he's his drives are looking good. His swing's looking great. Everything's great. And I just remember I don't even, I think I blacked out. Like, I don't remember what happened after that. Like, I just said something about Dustin Johnson. And and then I was like, oh, God, what are you saying right now? I just completely, I don't know what he said to me, but I talked about golf with Wayne Gretzky. So that's a cool one, too. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, that uh, Wayne Gretzky red cask whiskey is unreal. Like, if you're a whiskey oh, yeah? aficionado, uh, you will uh, like that stuff. So, listen, Haley, we'll leave it there because, look, we've... Uh, we, we, we spent so much time on that one mailbag question that uh, I think I think we're, we we, we got to leave on a high note with you yeah. and I with our awkward stories of interviewing uh, Wayne Gretzky. So, <laughs> yeah. listen, have a great week, Haley. Uh, enjoy what uh, should be another great week of hockey. We'll get uh, we'll get together again next uh, next Monday. It'll be a great one. See, it? you're coming around <laughs> on the puns. I like it. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening to the Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Leave a rating and a review, especially with Haley's puns there like that. We would appreciate it. If you want to subscribe to The Athletic, you can get an annual subscription for just $3.99 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. Don't miss out Wednesday's episode of The Athletic Hockey Show. Scott Burnside, Pierre Lebrun, they're going to have St. Louis Blues general manager and the general manager of Team Canada at the Olympic Games next year, Doug Armstrong, on the show. That's coming up on Wednesday. I'll be back at it with Down Goes Brown, Sean McIndoe on Thursday.